0: Sixty-five years ago, in the city of Chennai, my father was still studying, and he made an effort to come and begin something that he felt was so essential to make a difference in a nation that was transitioning from the hands of the British rule into the Indian leadership. And a new day was born. And a new strategy had to be born. Hindustan Bible Institute was one of God's answers to bringing solution. And it's amazing and awesome to look at the journey that we have had over the last 65 years. Who would have ever thought starting an organization in a rented building with five students, a board missionary, would ever have an impact that it has had. Today, as we look at the journey that we have started, we went through a process of really redefining what education and theological education should be in order to affect missions and evangelism in a nation. As we look back, all the different things that God has taken us through, it's amazing. We started with five students in a rented building, but today we have eight different campuses around the country, training people in different contexts, in different places, so that the increased effectiveness. We also have graduated, not just 100 or 200 or a 1,000 students, but over 12,500 men and women from all over this country have been equipped and trained, not only from India, but also people from other neighboring countries have been trained and many of our students have also gone to other countries and are serving God in incredible ways. But we're moved from the formal and increased our effectiveness by actually training people in what we call the non-formal, the informal, where people stay in their villages, come once in a short period of time, take trainings in short terms so that we can increase their skills, their capacity, and churches are multiplying all over this nation. We also have a cross-cultural training program. We've increased our effectiveness by looking at the future in developing next generation and emerging generation training programs, all of which are touching lives and preparing a means to build leadership or what we call God-class transformational leaders to be able to have a long-term impact in bringing India into a nation that will not only have local and national, but also global impact. It's an amazing thing that God is doing today. And we are so touched and blessed. And I just want you to understand, because many of you prayed, because many of you gave, because many of you came, many of you encouraged us over the years, not to give up, but to continue to go. God enabled us to go places where we've never been before. We've equipped and trained many, many men and women to be church planters in the non-formal and informal, that there's over 150,000 people who have been skilled and equipped to be able to multiply churches all over our country. An amazing thing has happened. God helped us to start a church planting movement. And today, in that church planting movement, God has seen over 650,000 disciples who are gathering in over 12,000 churches and over 840 church planters are part of this movement, multiplying churches continuously, year after year and day after day. It's amazing to know that on an average today we are planting three to four churches. Isn't that wonderful? But as we look at where we are headed for, and we're thinking about the future. We're launching out and developing HBI to have a digital movement that will have presence anywhere at any time, all the time. Special programs are being developed and thought about. University is being developed and facilitated. Schools so that the emerging generation will be prepared from the bottom up from the early childhood. We would like to see HBI to have touched the lives of over 200,000 men and women who are primarily engaged in the process of equipping and training people and skilling them through the local church and through seminaries and Bible colleges and other institutions that are training people for the ministry all over this nation and this world. Through our church planting movement, we would like to see 2,000 church planters who are multiplying churches, that there are over 20,000 churches. So all over this nation, people are worshiping the Lord. And we want to see over 2 million worshipers in these churches. We're excited about what God is doing. What we are asking God to do is to double his church in our country rapidly. Today it's estimated over 750,000 worshiping communities are scattered all around this nation. We're mobilizing the church to each one first plant one church. And if they can do that in the next two to three years, there would be 1.4 million churches in our country. Isn't that an amazing thing? Friends, by the year 2030, we are asking God to turn this nation into one of the greatest missional movements in the world. HBI is no longer speaking about India. It's speaking about a global movement, continuously asking God, to help us be a movement that will touch this world with this love. I want to encourage you to be a part of this. I hope you'll never stop praying for us. But one of the things that makes us the most effective is that we've got partners all over the world that join us. And interdependently allow us to serve God to accomplish his vision and his mission of seeing a church everywhere and the gospel of Jesus accessible to all peoples of the world, will you be a part of what God is doing. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing in this nation and through the ministries of Hindustan Bible Institute and College. God bless you.
1: Of what's going on in the Indian government with the increase in um, Hindu uh, fundamentalists, there's a real big challenge in India. And I think Bob Gupta, or Bobby as I call him, is up to that challenge. So let's give Bobby a warm welcome. I'm gonna pray for Bobby. Father, we thank you for uh, Hindustan Bible Institute. We thank you for Bobby and Lynette over these years uh, that I've known him, I've seen you use him uh, exceedingly abundantly beyond all that either of us when we first met way back almost 40 years ago, what you were going to do with this man. And we're so honored to have him here uh, to share with us not only uh, what's happening with the ministry, but his heart for the word of God, as it impacts us as believers, and so to, to that end, we pray your richest blessing on Bobby uh, in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. 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 God bless you. God. Good, morning. Good morning. Are you all glad to be here in the house of the Lord? Yes. You know, I ask this question even of my church in India, and I uh, have am given the chance and the opportunity to speak. Um, because we have about 10 of us that actually preach the word in our church. And so occasionally they'll let me come and speak in the pulpit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the question that I ask them all the time is, are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? And you know what? They answered it the same way you did. Yes! And it's amazing to just be here and to be in the house of the Lord and to worship God. And to know how gracious our God is. Isn't our God a gracious God? How he saved us from where we were. How he infilled us and how he reshaped us. And how he made us who we are today. And then how, you know, he gives us the opportunity to just worship him and have that relationship with him. It's an amazing, amazing thing that God has done for us. And I am so glad. I want to say a few words of thank you to your church, especially to your pastor. Um, Neil Travizzano and I have been longtime friends, and I often remind myself um, and recognize how humbling it is to have had a friend like Neil. Because, you know, when I was struggling with my Greek and Hebrew, and I was so stupid and didn't know what to do, Neil came alongside, and he helped me. And I often think that I may not have finished my MDiv at Talbert Seminary if it wasn't for the grace and the love and the patience that Neil shared with me and allowed me to be inside the inner circle of his own life and his own family so that we could actually get to be friends. And Neil, thank you so much. Thank you for being that friend to me. This morning, I also want to thank you as a church. Some of you may remember me. Others of you may not know me. But um, I have been supported by your church as a missionary for many, many years. Since the time I went back, Neil has been a constant encouragement to us. And when the opportunity was there, he made sure that he became part of investing in our lives. Both Lynette and myself and our three children. And I just want to say thank you to them. Thank you to them. Thank you to you for investing in our lives and Uh, helping us to be the missionaries God wants us to be. So much that you saw over here happened because of people like you. And I praise God for that. I want you to keep praying for our family because we have three children. And at the age of 40, my daughter is finally getting married. Isn't that amazing? I should say thank you to you guys because you have been faithfully praying you know, I told, I, I, I told you that we had three children... ...and their names are my three, Sushil and Deepak... ...and I want you to remember them now, okay? Now that they're going to get married... ...and one by one, maybe they'll all get married... ...I want you to pray that God will help them to find spouses... ...and finally I'll be a grandfather, maybe. <laughs> but I have a lot of people at home that call me grandpa... ...so I, I don't miss not being a grandpa... ...but it would be awesome to have a grandchild by one of our own children. But I want you to remember the three kids. Do you remember their names? Oh, tough names, aren't they? I'll teach you. Is, are, are you ready to learn? Okay, let's learn together. How many kids do I have? Let's see, quiz number one. How many kids did I have? Three kids, okay, okay, okay. Now, if you remember I have three kids, you'll remember my daughter's name because it's my three, like my three sons, my three daughters, my three children. So it's my three, all right? Now, Sushil... If you think about the Japanese, what do they like to eat? Sushi. That's right. Don't eat sushi, but just remember sushi and add an L, and you will have sushi And then, of course, our youngest, his name is Deepak. And if you think about ice hockey, you play ice hockey with Deepak, all right? All right, now, 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 you remember those three names. Do you remember them now? Shall we try? Let's see how good a class you are, okay? And my daughter's name is... Deepak. How about that? That's the tough one. And the second one is... Deepak. And the third one is... Deepak. Deepak. Now you remember them. And now you can remember to take it back with you. Come by our, our table and pick up some material. I promise you we won't eat. Those that came after the, first, uh, after the first service were very few. I don't want to take all that material back home, okay? So please come by get some of that material we also have some some opportunity for you to put uh into the lives of little children and um, we have a child sponsorship program it's a community development program and we are developing children in community not as orphans but to help them get away from going to work with their parents because there is no child development program They tend going to work with their parents. As a baby, they carry them. They put them in a cradle. They rock them. They feed them. And slowly that baby walks and creeps up to the parents. And the parents say, hey, can you get this for me? Can you get that for me? Can you get this for me? And before long, they've been in an internship and an apprenticeship. They become good as their parents and maybe better. And then the landlord comes along and he says, hey, I'll pay for that kid to work. And they never go to school. Four out of five children in my country never get to school from a village because they become apprenticed to their parents. And before long, they're in the workforce. We're trying to break that. So they'll come to know to read, to write, to be able to study the Word of God, come to know Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to come by. And we'd like for you to pick up a sponsorship card and get one of these kids sponsored so that we can keep them out of the workforce. Amen? Amen. So think about that. But also you have our our brochures that you can remember to pray for us and our prayer cards. And Gary and Linda are back there. And uh, Gary and Linda will be at the table. But they're going with the team to India. Now I want you guys to listen carefully, okay? Because we want another team to come from your church. Amen? No? Are you frightened of coming to India? No, don't be frightened. It only is a long trip, but when you get there, there's lots of things you can do. I want you to imagine going into a school. You saw those kids on that video? I want you to imagine going into a school twice a day, taking a music and drama team, being able to share the story of what God has done in your life inside of a school, and being able to share with them how they can have a new life and help them to be part of a process of transformation. And you know, some of the schools have a 1,000 kids coming to those meetings. Can you imagine what you can do in 10 days if you did two meetings a day? Wow. I want you young people who are thinking about it to think about India as an option for a short-term dream, so that they can come and they can be part of that process of not only going to schools but working with children, listening to children. You know, in the afternoons, you can go to their classes and we disciple them. And they will talk to you more than they'll talk to us because you know what? You come and go away. They can tell you anything. But you will walk away praying for them and never forgetting them. And you will invest in praying for their lives and God will put a burden in your heart like you've never seen before. God is doing things differently in our generation. Very few people are going to be full time, full fledged, sent out missionaries in the future. Very few. The majority are going to be people that get in a plane, go for two weeks, like Gary and Linda are going to go this Thursday. And then they're going to come and they're going to work alongside the church inside those nations. That's what God was, is doing today. When there was no church and there was no foundation, no truth, and the body of Christ was not there, he worked by sending the church. But today there is a church. And so you know what he's doing? He's taking the church from here, he's taking the church from there, he's putting them together, and then he's allowing us to work with our abilities, our stories, our giftedness, and the things that we're doing. And then you know what he's doing? He's leaving them behind with the church over there, with all those people that you touch, so that they can be disciples for Jesus Christ. And so missions in the 21st century is not what it was in the 17th century. It's completely different from what William Carey did. And you've got to keep this in the back of your mind. We don't want to be in a buggy that William Carey was. We don't go by ship like William Carey did. We'd fly in a plane and we go places and we do things differently, amen? And we can get a lot more done if we understand what God is doing. So this morning, I want to encourage you, if you're a young person and your youth group are thinking, we want to be going on a mission field and we want to actually touch lives, I want to encourage you to consider India and parents and uh, pastors and uh, young people that are looking at that. Don't think about the distance. Think about the opportunity. 1.3 billion people. I want to tell you something. 35% of India's population is under the age of 15. Take 35% of 1.3 billion people. You know how large that is? Bigger than America. That's the need of our country. And young people, God can take you and you can be part of that generation that's going to touch this nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so I want to thank you. I want to invite you to come. Please come by our table. Please get to come and know me. Pick up our prayer cards and remember to maybe even get online and pray for us. Amen? This morning, I want to answer a question. And that question is part of what you saw over there on that video. And that is, how do I make the gospel accessible to every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl? Everybody sitting in this auditorium is God's instrument. Amen? Because God's primary instrument is the church of Jesus Christ. And whatever he's going to do in this generation, in this era, at this time in the history of mission, it's going to be through the local church. Amen? The question is, who's the church? Is it the building? What do you think? Is it the building? It's the address on the street? It's an organization? No. What is it? It's P. Okay. You all believe it? Okay, if you're going to believe it, we're going to affirm it this morning, okay? And I'm going to make you do that exercise that I've done thousands and thousands of times around the world. And what I ask people to do is to not get up. You can sit down. I know that you've already done your exercise for the day. But I want you to take your finger up like this. And what I'm going to do is ask you a question. And the question I'm going to ask you is, who's the church? And you're not going to go like this to the building. You're going to say, I am the church, okay? Okay? Now, you got that. Who's the church? I am the church, okay? And then I'm going to ask you a second question, and I'll follow up with that, all right? There are two questions you've got to really answer this moment, because I believe every man, every woman, every boy, every girl is the solution to the question of how can we make the gospel accessible to every man, every woman, every boy and girl? And so if we understand what God is doing today, and we begin to embrace that, then we will happen. But we have to understand that he's using the church. And you are the church. Amen? So here's the question. Who is the church? One more time. We'll bring the roof down this time. All right? Can we do that? Who's the church? One more time. Who's the church? You sure about that? Okay, the second question now. The second question is, who is God using to fulfill the Great Commission? And the answer to that is, Pastor Neil back there. (laughs) Wrong answer, right? He's saying, I am responsible for the gospel, okay? So I'm going to ask you the question, both the questions, and you're going to say, I'm the church, and it's my responsibility to carry out the Great Commission. Amen? All right, here we go. Who's the church? One more time. Who's the church? And whose responsibility is the Great Commission? My responsibility. Did you hear yourself? All of us are God's instrument to carry out the mission 24-7, anytime, all the time. And I believe in that lies, that answer, how can we actually make the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you believe we have an awesome gospel? Some of you do. The rest of you don't. Do you believe that you believe that we have the, an awesome gospel? Yes. Amen. And we have an awesome gospel. But we can't hide it. we got to take it out. And we got to get it out to people. And people have to understand it. And God is saying that we are a generation that has the capacity and the ability to finish the Great Commission in our generation. Amen. Because you know what? The church has seen the greatest impact In the last 40 to 50 years. And we've got to come back. And when you look at the book of Habakkuk. I believe God is helping us understand. Through the message he gave Habakkuk. Of how he wants us. To make the gospel accessible. To every man, every woman, every boy. And every girl. And there are three very powerful statements. He makes to Habakkuk. And maybe four. I couldn't get to the fourth one in the first chapter. But we will look at it. Okay, I'll try to see if I can finish it. But the three main the significant ones is very, very important for us to understand. If you look at the opening verses of Habakkuk, you know what Habakkuk says? He says, oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for the help that you and you will not hear me? Oh, or cry to you violence and you will not save us. And then. And what Habakkuk is saying, Lord, I am crying out to you and I am living in a world and the world that I'm living in is really exploiting each other and they are being really obnoxious and you're doing nothing. I think of my world and I think about the government and, you know, Neil was referring to it. And our government wants to make our country a Hindu nation and they're moving away from being a nation that once believed everybody has the liberty In fact, at one time, they were going to call India Hindustan. And the first prime minister of India said, no way, it'll become a Hindu nation. We're going to keep India as the name. And that's why we have the name Hindustan Bible Institute, because they wanted to make India Hindustan. And so we wanted to be on the cutting edge and have a Bible college for the people of India. But the government of India said to India as a nation, We wanted to be a nation for all people, with all liberty, for every man, every woman, to make a choice of who they want to worship. And it gave us the privilege to actually preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? And today, we're living in a nation where our leadership is doing some obnoxious thing and preventing us. You know, actually, yesterday, I got an email from India, and there were a bunch of people in the northern part of India. And by the way, God has so blessed our country. The churches everywhere in my country today. You saw that video, right? Between 1987 and today, 700,000 additional new churches have been added into our country. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, give the Lord a hand. God is at work. God is doing incredible things. But you want, you got to understand, you know, the, the, the mindset that we used to have in the past was, christianity is in the south no christianity is everywhere and the church in north india was making a point and they said we're going to pray for our country okay so they gathered together a huge bunch of people i'm thinking they said 3 to 400 of them were pastors from north india that were gathering together to pray for the blessing of our country and the hindu activist movement came in disturbed the prayer Had some people arrested and sent into prison. How long should we cry out to God? How long will you cry? We cry out and you won't listen. I think He's listening. I think He's listening. This morning I got a text saying, Praise the Lord! All the pastors were released and they were able to carry out their worship in church. Isn't it amazing? God is at work. God is listening. And though things look like it's bleak and hopeless. And we don't think that things are going to happen the way we want it to happen. Whether it's in America. Whether it's in North Korea. Whether it's in South Korea. Whether it's in China. Whether it's in India. Whether it's in Iran. And all the places look like it's going to be very bleak and hopeless. I want to say something. God is not indifferent to our cry. Hallelujah. He hears our voice. He hears our cry. He is listening to you. And I don't know what you're going through at this point in time in your life. And you may be feeling, God, I am coming to church. You know, I read my word. I honor you. I give you my tithe. I do all the things that you want me to do. But, oh, Lord, how difficult it is today. And I'm challenged by all the things that's going through. Are you listening to me, Lord? Are you listening to my cry? And the answer to that question is yes. God is at work. He's listening to us. We shouldn't get fearful because he has a plan. And he's going to carry it out. Amen? God is sovereign. He's in full control. And no matter what's happening around us. And he says to Habakkuk, I want you to know this by three things that I want you to observe. The first observation, he says... I want you to lift up. If you look at verse 5, it says, Look among the nations and see wonders and be astonished. For I'm going to do a work in your day and you will not believe it even if I told you. Isn't that amazing? God says, I'm going to do something that even if I told you, you won't believe it. And I'm going to tell you something and you're not going to believe it. Because when I began to tell people about what God is doing in our world... For years, they didn't believe it. Now they're beginning to see it. Now they're beginning to believe it. And it's exciting to be in this generation. Because you know the truth of the matter is? In the last 40, 50 years, more people have come to Jesus Christ than any other time in the history of the Church of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Jesus resurrected, went into the ascension, and then for almost 2,000 years, we were preaching the gospel. Over 1,900 years And that many people didn't come to the Lord as have in the last 40 years. Amazing. And he says, I want you to lift up your eyes. And I want you to look at the nations. Look at the peoples of the world. Look what I'm doing because I'm going to do something so that every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every ethnic community will have the gospel. And I believe in our generation, if we begin to understand what God is doing, boom, God's going to use us. The question is, are we going to be ready to let him use us? Because I'm the church and it's my responsibility. And if I begin to take that responsibility and begin to become active, you know what God will do? He'll finish the Great Commission in our generation. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wow, that would be an awesome day. When every man, every woman, and believe it to me, if you don't believe that it's going to happen, look at the book of Revelation. Because you know what? John writes to us and he says that he saw the revelation of God and in the heavens of God, you know what he saw? He saw multitudes of people from every tribe and every kindred and every people group, from every language group, worshiping Jesus. And one day we will all be worshiping him. The question is, am I willing to be part of what God is doing so I can become part of becoming the solution in our world that is so desperately in need of a value system That will transform their lives and allow them to become people who are experiencing the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just as he sang. He's worthy of our glory. He's worthy of our praise. You know why? Because he heard our cry and he transformed our lives and he changed us. He made us a new creation and we became alive unto God and we began to worship him. Hallelujah. That's what God is doing in our world today. And the question that you have to keep asking is, Lord, how can I become part of what you're doing? How can I join you in what you're doing? Because that's what God is all about. And he's saying to us, lift up our eyes. Don't worry about your circumstances. Don't get into a situation of looking at your circumstances and missing the fact that I'm touching this world and my mission is on Mission. Isn't that amazing? He's doing great and wonderful things. And the world is coming to him like never before. You know what? I read in a book. In the year 2000, 165,000 people were saying yes to Jesus Christ. Every day. That's how fast the church was growing. Every day, 165,000 people were saying yes to Jesus. That was the year 2000. Now we're in 2017. You know what the number is? 250,000 people are saying yes to Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? You know why? Somewhere in this journey, in the year 1974, Billy Graham made the decision that we need to shift gears. And we need to ask ourselves the question, what changes we must make? And one of the changes that we made was, we stopped just preaching the gospel. We included, while we were going, while we were preaching... While we were baptizing people, the Great Commission was a command of making disciples for Jesus Christ. Making disciples of all the peoples of the earth. And that one transformation that was made in that conference has changed the picture of the Church of Jesus Christ around the world. They stopped just at adding people to the Church of Jesus Christ. They started multiplying people into the kingdom of God. It's an amazing reality. All of a sudden, one person sharing the gospel with the other and discipling them became two people making disciples. Then it became four. Then it became eight. Then it became 16. Then it became 32. Then it became 64. Till it became uncontrollable and nation after nation after nation that attended this conference went back and they began to realize that God is at work. And today all around the world Christianity is not miles wide and an inch deep. It is very deep today. And people are willing to die for Jesus Christ. People are willing to suffer for Jesus Christ. People are giving up everything for Jesus Christ. People are standing up and becoming martyrs for Jesus Christ. This is a new day in mission because we moved away from what we used to be of just preaching and adding people to the church to making disciples, and not only disciples, but of every people group of the world. In the year 1974, there were 25,000 unreached people. Today, they're saying less than 7,000 people groups are unreached. In our generation, the mission can be completed. And we have to keep asking the question, how can... I become part of the solution so that every man, every woman, every boy, every girl have the opportunity to hear the gospel. And when I realize that I'm the church and the church is God's primary instrument to carrying out this mission, and it's my responsibility, and every one of us put our hands together and rejoin the Lord in however he's doing this mission, it can be accomplished. Amen. The question is, are you willing to be part of that solution? Now John, now Habakkuk was really having a hard time. And so God was saying to him, hey, look, I'm on target. It's going to happen. It's just that you need to get involved and join with me. And it will happen, Habakkuk, and it's going to happen. And then he said to him a second message in that book. The faith just shall live by faith. He said, you know, you don't look at the circumstances. You don't look at what you can control. You don't look at what you can do. You look at the fact that I am lifted up. I am the sovereign God. I am seated on the throne. And I'm in control of everything that is happening. And if you are my instrument, he says in chapter 2 and verse 4, by the righteous shall live by faith. And every time I read that text, I think about Isaiah. You remember Isaiah, the prophet in the Old Testament? And in the chapter 6, it says, you know, in the year when King Uzziah died. You know, Uzziah was thinking to himself, we had a great king. And our king was an awesome guy. And in, he's dying. Or he's dead. What's going to happen to Israel? And he was thinking it's going to be a hopeless state of mind. And God... He comes to the temple. He stands at the threshold of the temple of God. And he stands over there and God gives him a vision. And what is the vision? Not that he's going to give him another king, but that I am the king. I am lifted up. I'm seated on the throne. At the beckon of my voice, all the spiritual forces that exist in my control are commissioned to carry out my mission. And all of a sudden, Isaiah realizes, oh my God, he is a holy God, and I'm a man of unclean lips. Who am I? And he begins to see God. And you know, I think we're celebrating the 500th anniversary of Reformation, and we're remembering the awesome statement of Martin Luther who said, the just shall live by faith. And I believe no matter what the circumstances is, no matter what you're going through, if we begin to realize that God is in control and that he is not losing sight of his mission and that one day every tongue and every kindred and every people will worship him, and we look at the world and we begin to see the world, we begin to see what he's doing in the world, we can trust him implicitly to accomplish his mission. I remember when I went back to India, God said to me, Bobby, I want you to plant a thousand churches. And I thought that was pretty cool. That's only a small number compared to what we needed. And you know what happened? I went to there and my friend said to me, you know, our denominations have been here for a hundred years and more than a hundred years. And we haven't planted a hundred churches. And you're going to plant a thousand churches in ten years? you wacko man. That America has brainwashed you. You better go back to America. And then I fight with God and you know what God said to me Bobby you're going to do nothing I will build my church and I want you to understand that what God is saying is you may think you have to do everything no you need to do nothing but to hear his voice and implicitly trust him and do what he calls you to do Abraham leave your home Abraham leave your kindred Abraham, leave your town. Abraham, I want you to listen to me. Don't bring your family. And he does. And so God has to delay it till he gets to the place where his father and mother dies. And then he has to break away from his lot. And then finally God puts his hand on him. And he fulfills his promise. And I want to say that just shall live by faith by putting their trust implicitly in God. And what Blackaby says to us is God has an agenda. He's going to carry out his agenda. And if we are willing to be part of his agenda, he's calling us to a life of faith. And if we trust him and become implicitly obedient to him, you know what he does? He calls us to make changes in our lives. Isn't he funny? But the day we make those changes, you know what he does? He puts his hand on our lives. And he blesses us. He blesses us. And we become part of the solution. And this morning, I want to encourage you to think about that. The third thing he tells to Habakkuk is, Habakkuk, you need to get a hold of my vision. Habakkuk, my vision is not what you're thinking. It's not about me just blessing Israel. It's not about me making Israel a great nation. It's not about me making Israel everywhere. You know what I want? He says in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14, he says, I want my glory and I want the knowledge of my glory to cover the earth As the waters would cover the sea. Isn't that amazing? That's what God is wanting us to do. He wants us to understand that the knowledge of his glory needs to cover the earth as the waters actually cover the seas. That means there's knowledge and his knowledge and his glory is everywhere. Amen. It's like globalization anywhere to everywhere, everywhere to anywhere, anytime, every time, all the time, everything is all over the place. And God says, I want my glory to be like that. Isn't that amazing? That's his vision. That one day his glory will cover the earth. And I think we need to keep asking ourselves the question, how is that actually going to happen? And I hope all of us understand that we're part of the solution because we are his primary instrument. But you know how you became primary to his instrumentation? Because one day you made the decision, I'm going to turn to God. If you haven't turned to God, you can't be part of the solution. But the day you make that decision, I'm gonna to turn to God. You have your Bibles, you can turn to it now, but when you go home now, I want you to look at it. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. You know what he says? Here's what he says when we turn to God, we like unveiled faces are being transformed into the image of of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know how that is happening? Because the work of the Holy Spirit is beginning to take place. He infuses the Holy Spirit into us. And He says, where the Spirit is, there is liberty. There is liberty for us to listen to the voice of God. There's liberty for us to allow Him to work in us. And He's the liberty to actually enable what He wants to do through us. Because you know what? He's communicating to us through the Spirit. And His Spirit and our Spirit are in communion with each other. Our soul that is within us are being transformed. And the word of God is coming into our lives and beginning to change our lives so that we are beginning to become like Jesus. And he says, you are being transformed from glory to glory to ever increasing glory till we are transformed into the image of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know what's happening? God's saying, you know what I'm trying to do? I'm going to get my glory everywhere. Hallelujah. And the knowledge of my glory is going to emerge through you, through you, through you, through me, through every one of us. And his glory is going to be everywhere, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's at, it's in the church. It's not just once a week. It's all the time, 24-7, everywhere. Hallelujah. And what God is looking for is, are we willing to turn to him? And when we turn to him, are we willing to let the Holy Spirit that he infuses into us to control our lives? And when he controls it, he's going to transform it. How? From glory to glory to ever-increasing glory. He's going to transform us slowly, slowly, slowly. Changing, changing, changing. Becoming, becoming like his son of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. That's what your redemption is all about. It's not about signing a card, my friend. It's not about lifting an eye, your hand up. It's not about walking an aisle. It's about being discipled into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And when int- intimately discipled into that relationship, you come to know God. You come to know the power of his resurrection. You come to know the power of the word of God. And you submit yourself to the authority of God. And he transforms you. Into the image of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to look at another word sometime when you go home? First, Colossians, Colossians chapter 1 and verses 13 and 14. Write it down. Here's what God does to you when you turn to him. He delivers you from the dominion of the power of the evil one. Translates you into the kingdom of his son. Who he loves, forgives us, and redeems us. That's our salvation. Hallelujah. The question is, have you turned to God? Is he transforming you? Is your life revealing his glory? And what can you do to become part of the solution by intentionally saying, "Lord, I have turned to you, but I'm not let your Holy Spirit to take control. Today I'm going to let it happen." Or maybe you're saying, "I've never turned to you, God, but today I understand." That I'm under the dominion of the evil one. And I want to get out of that. And I'm going to turn to you, Lord. And I'm going to let you translate me, transform me. I'm going to let you change me. And bring me into the kingdom of your son that you love so much. And I'm going to live for the praise of your glory. So that your glory will be everywhere. Hallelujah. That's what God wants to do. Young people, it's not about a short-term trip. It's about how God can use you. To bring people out of that dominion. Short term dreams that go out of your church is not a vacation, guys. And don't ever think about it as a vacation and don't even get worried about the money that you spend on it. Whoever gives you that idea that you're wasting money is missing what God is saying because today God is doing something different from what He did 300 years ago. The question is Am I willing to join the Father? Am I willing to become partners? We once did it independent of each other. Now what God is calling us to do is to work interdependently. And when we join hands together, no matter what it is, whether you bring a team, whether you do a partnership, whether you support a national, however you're doing it, whether you're taking care of a child, God is saying, let's do it together. And when we can do it together, the knowledge of his glory will begin to shine everywhere. Because as we make disciples, people will turn to God, will be transformed by the word, and the glory of God will begin to shine everywhere. Amen? Amen. Are you ready? Shall we pray together? And so, Father, we're truly unworthy of all that you've done for us. We don't deserve it, but, Father, we praise you for it. We worship you because we know that without you we could never have done it. We cherish your redemption. And Father, we pray that you would allow us to be the knowledge of your glory and that you will shine through us, O God, because we are your glory in this dark world. Shine through us, Lord Jesus. I ask this in Jesus' very precious name. Amen. Come to my table, will you?